0: We've been talking about promotion or entering into a new position or a new career, a new relationship, but just talking about moving into new things. And each week we've talked about different things and we've been reviewing and not reviewing in any particular order, meaning this, what I'm going to review today before we jump into the new part is not from last week, but from a few weeks ago. But it seemed good to kind of go back and talk about it a little bit before we go further in what we're going to talk about due season or the fullness of time. And so a while back when we were talking, we talked about how that we get trained for things, we develop in things, and then we move into new things. And we talked about how when we do get promoted or move into a new relationship, a new area of ministry, a deeper walk with God, we develop, we get trained, and then we enter in. And we said this, and I think this is so important, is when we get trained or developed or we grow, we never get all the way there before we get into that new place most of the time. In other words, like a pro athlete or any athlete, as they move along, they get better, they get the tools they need or the development they need to move into a new place But usually, like even a pro athlete, when they move into that new place, even though they have incredible potential and people realize they're going to be a star someday, they don't enter in fully equipped and fully developed. You may see, you know, sparks, you know, or certain times you'll say, oh, yeah, there's their potential coming out. But there are certain things, and we talked about this, that you cannot get even if you do develop until you move into the next place. Mothers know this. Fathers know this. You know, you study. You're going to be ready for your first child. You've read about, you've read journals on, you know, raising children. And you've studied the scriptures, so you pretty much have all the answers. Bring on the baby. How many of you know there were a ton of things that you did not know, even though maybe you were prepared maybe more than the average person? But once you get in, you realize, wow, there's stuff I didn't know. So we realize this in promotion or increase or going further in different things. Really, growth and development personally helps us to move forward, but that doesn't mean we're going to always be 100% ready or maybe even 50%. I don't know what the percent is. And so looking at this, there are a couple illustrations we didn't use before, but I'm going to in our review today. One of them is this. When a person uh, gains knowledge about the Lord, and they give their life to the Lord, we know this, they get promoted, and they move into a position of being a son or a daughter of God. They, They got enough to move them in, But that is not the end of their growth or their development once they're in this new place. And the same thing is true with the job. Uh, You know, a boss can see somebody and think, man, they've got potential. I can see they're growing. They've got this equipment. They don't put you into the position because you're always 100%. They put you in because you've got the goods that they know once you get in there you know, you're going to be able to move up and keep doing and be effective. Those are important ways of thinking because sometimes people don't expect higher things or greater things because they think, well, I'm just not 100% ready. And uh, how many of you remember Solomon? You know, Solomon was a king in, in uh, Israel. And he ruled the nation. And most people, whether they go to church or not, they think of Solomon. You know, if you think of Thomas, you think doubt. Right? Doubting? Oh, doubt. I mean, you don't even have to go to church, you know, doubting Thomas. You don't even have to go to church and you know Solomon was the wisest man to ever live on the earth. As a matter of fact, I saw something on social media the other day that said, who is the wisest person to ever live? And, you know, there were all kinds of things, but the majority of people said, you know, Jesus or Solomon. And here is the interesting thing about Solomon when we're talking about promotion, talking about moving up, moving to higher places, or even God just promoting us and causing us to have an influx of blessing in our lives. Well, there, there's one thing that I think that's interesting about Solomon because we think of him as the wisest ever, kind of like me. Wondering if you guys are awake or not. But, um, but Solomon, you know, we think of him as man. Of course, he belonged in that position. Uh, if anybody belonged in the position of a king, it was Solomon because he was the wisest of the wise. But how many of you realize we might be thinking wrong about that? Because Solomon, when he got promoted to king, he was not the wisest of all. As a matter of fact, he was a lot like a lot of other people. It wasn't that Solomon got promoted because he had all the wisdom and God said, wow, he's the wisest person ever to live. We're going to need to move him into this position because, man he's just so wise. Technically, if you read the story, Solomon uh, didn't get his wisdom till after he was in the position. As a matter of fact, he was having a conversation with God, and he had been promoted to king, and now that he's king, he's talking to God, and he said, look at all these people, you know, these are your people, and I want to deal wisely with them, and I want to do this. And, and God said, well, Other kings who had gotten into the position had said, hey, now that I'm here, I have some enemies, let's kill them. Right? Isn't that what you want to do once you get into a good position and you're the boss? Now deal with everybody who didn't deal fairly with you when you couldn't deal with them harshly? Nobody would think like that here. But God said other kings had done this and they did deal with their enemies. But Solomon said, hey, I want wisdom. Other kings had said, hey, now that I'm in the position, bring on the cash. You know, I want riches. And God would grant them these things that they asked, but Solomon said, I don't want any of that. What I want above everything is now that I've moved into this position, I want wisdom that will help me to deal with your people on a level that will be helpful to them. And God said, because you didn't ask for the death of your enemies or ask for riches, uh, you're going to get the riches and all this other stuff, but I'm going to give you that wisdom, and with it, everything else you didn't ask for is coming. It's interesting, He didn't have the wisdom. The, the skill. Now now, but what have we been saying? God will promote people and put people, or in life, this happens, where people get promoted, because their uh, skill level is increasing. Their development is increasing. And what we need to realize is Solomon did have a skill level. He was a king's kid. He had been in the palace. He had watched from his father how to deal with the affairs of a nation, deal with other nations. He had watched this, and David, his father, had a heart after God, and he pleased God, so he was trained in one sense. He probably had, you know, a baseline amount that could at least bring him to where David was, so it wasn't as though he was deprived and didn't have any anything, you know, going in. And that's one thing we re- need to realize is we we're, we're not always there. Because God will do this. It's been amazing how many people have texted me, sent me a message, "Hey, my boss called me," or "This happened," and these promotions and these different things are occurring in people's lives right now. Well, in Solomon his life, I think, you know, at least in my case, I look at him and think, wow, the wisest of all men. Of course, he's a great choice, but in all reality, he was probably qualified like a number of other people. David had other sons. But once he got into his position, then more was added. And that was one of the things we've talked about. I mean, my first job, you know, I I mean, I worked at this place, I was real young. I was a liquid transfer specialist and um, basically I made Cokes at a fast food restaurant. You put it in a cup, put ice and then give it to the customer. Sounds a lot better the other way. And then they would, you know, they hired me thinking, you know, probably a baseline, I'm going to be there. Uh, I'll work the whole time, you know. They look at some things, but they realize once you get there, you're going to develop. They're going to help you go further. But how many people on even a job like that, fast food restaurant, ugh, this is going to be huge. Nobody ever thought that? Oh man, am I going to be able to do this? And after you're there a few months, there are, you, you get developed, trained. How many realize this? There are some things you cannot develop until you enter into a new place. You just can't. There are just too many variables. These are important things to know Because often, you know, in dealing with people, you'll hear people think, well, I've got to know more. Even in witnessing to the lost, I don't know enough. Well, some of the knowing and being effective just comes from being a witness. We can read all the books, but it doesn't happen until we start talking. And the same thing is true in so many other areas of life. You know, a new relationship, you can read relationship books. But how many of you know when you read a relationship book, a lot of it can be mechanical? A non-moving part you're talking to. They give you one scenario or a couple scenarios, and now you're in a relationship and there are 65 scenarios. And you're like, oh, what, what about this? And how many realize you have the goods that can help you to get in, and then once you get in, you develop, or, or we should develop. Are you with me? And so in reviewing, realize this, promotions increase and different things like that are coming And will come in life and come at different seasons. God may be dealing with you about some kind of increase that's coming or that's happening in your life. But realize this, don't disqualify yourself. Or slow yourself down from it. Realize if God wants to increase us, let's move with it. And he does. The path of the righteous grows Brighter and brighter. That means better and better. If that's English or not. But better and better. It does. And God wants us to know, hey, when you get moved in, don't disqualify yourself. And then don't think, hey man, I'm here, therefore I don't have to do anything else. Because I've arrived. No, (laughs) we've arrived, but... Just like a pro athlete, you know, sometimes they talk about someone's just uh, raw ability and how somebody moved into some sport, maybe basketball, and they moved up, they become a pro, but they lacked discipline when they got in, and they didn't reach their full potential, even though maybe they had a good career. So we need to realize this, we can be trained you could be further along than you think. You you could have goods in you that could bring such potential and people could be looking at you. God can be looking at you. There can be things in you that he's like, hey, you've got what it takes to move in. And then when you move in, he'll want to help move you up and increase you so you become more effective. So the thought being in review, which was almost a sermon, is this: when you move into something new, you've got something, but you're not going to be all the way there when you enter in. You understand, equipped and developed. And so today, it, with just the short two hours I have left, huh, everybody looked at him when he did that. Like, don't, don't egg him on. No. But Galatians, the sixth chapter, I'm going to read a couple of different verses this morning and look about at this subject of due season or uh, the fullness of time. And we're going to look at a couple of verses because in promotion, in moving up, in moving on to something, there always comes a due season. So you could tell by everything we've been talking about, this is pretty much the end of the line. Due season. Galatians, the sixth chapter, and this subject is mentioned often in the Bible. Due season, or the fullness of time, you could call it the day you begin to reap, or the day you begin to harvest, the day you enter in, the day you begin to walk out. And we're going to look at some, maybe some real interesting things and maybe some thoughts uh, from God that may make something click inside of you for maybe something you've been knowing or do know. Galatians 6 verse 9, let us not grow weary while doing good. Well, That's a good exhortation. And that is important. But how many of you know you can get past the day of don't grow weary while doing good? I mean, if I'm standing at the door, I don't need to be exhorted anymore to uh, be not weary. I just need to walk through the door. And you know, that day does come for people. It can come for an organization It can come in a relationship, it can come you know, in promotion, it can come in careers, it can come in so many ways, you know, because we're often told, don't grow weary in due season you will reap. Notice the phrase, in due season, or when the fullness of what you've sown or what has been sown or planted comes to pass. Notice this, let us not grow weary while doing good, and that is so true. You know, there is a different thought here. Don't grow weary while doing good. Here's a different thought. Not in my notes. Put your thinking cap on. Get your pen out or your crown if you're writing with crowns in your notes. Or texting, you know, if you use both thumbs or one, however you do it. This would be a good thought. Don't grow weary while you're doing good because in time it will cause you to reap. Once you enter in, don't quit doing good. Don't quit, whew, I finally, we finally made it. Let's all sit down. Let's not do anything. Let's just kick back. Because hey, if you've been fighting for so long not to grow weary while doing good, and finally you get to the door, finally you enter in, and now you're walking in it, just be good to rest and sit here. And, And I'm for people recovering and doing things to have rest, but don't you know, be the one who, like, I finally made it to the pros in this sport, and they come unglued. So realize this, you know, I heard one minister say this one time, the real test in life is not always what we do when we're pushing to get in and the struggles and the tests, but one of the big things in life is how you are once you start succeeding when you enter in. I, I think it kind of goes back to what God said to Solomon. You didn't ask to kill your other people. You didn't ask this. He, he kind of kept going on a good trajectory, a good direction. He didn't say, now that I'm here, I'll do whatever, he, he wanted to keep going and doing good, and God assisted him and even blessed him more. So there is a thought that when due season comes, it, and, I, and I understand you, you could have maybe fought a lot of battles to get to due season. And you could be thinking, man, I do want to sit down. And I understand that whole thing. Realize this, and we did talk about this in one of the teachings, how that when people do enter into new places, realize this, there is grace, there is strength. We saw where angels often would come in the unseen realm and strengthen somebody and how God would strengthen somebody to continue on once they enter in and to enter in and gain strength as they begin to move. And so I understand there is a real thing there, but once we're there, we need to have the mentality, and this is so true, when nobody else is over us anymore and you have become the pinnacle of something, you're the head of a corporation now, you're the main boss and there's nobody over you that is looking at you that you go, oh, I better be careful because they could take my check, they could take my position. Now I'm up there and nobody's governing me. I need to watch it because nobody can take my check. So now how am I going to act? So success can be a bigger test to show character than a hard time. Are you with me? These are important things to get in place because you want to stay successful and you want to be more fruitful and God really wants that for everybody's life. Are you with me? Now that I'm there, I don't have to do anything. No, now that I'm there, I need to be on guard. Not just, okay, all the labor to get here, you know, I was going to say, I won the beauty contest. Now what? We'll leave it at that. Matthew 24, or actually Matthew, the, uh, the fourth chapter. Actually, I may have put the wrong, wrong verse. I think it's Mark, the fourth chapter. And I'll turn there on the way. And it is Mar- Mark 4. Mark, the fourth chapter. And these are kind of due season scriptures. These are just as important as preparing for. These scriptures of entering in and moving on into something are just as valuable as what it takes to get somewhere. How many of you know this? In life, someday you're going to be on the other side. I don't mean the other side in heaven. We will, but, but not that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about being on the other side, or kind of entering in. When we get to the other side, character is important. Compassion and mercy is com- is important. That's why it's important to develop on this side. You know, when people get married, I remember one person told me, "I, I don't know who I married." I said, "What do you mean?" I said, "He said this person is not who I who I." I- I married. And I said, Well, didn't you notice anything beforehand? They were acting this way, mean, and well, yeah, but I thought. What am I saying here? Not trying to get all suspicious about other people, but I'm saying, Hey, if that's me, I need to start working on me. Because when I get there and there is no constraint of being on my best behavior, I want to do my best behavior. Same thing with the music position, uh, uh, any position. You know, at work or, or whatever. Now all of a sudden, and, and you could tell, if you just did this little exercise right now, um, I don't know what the lottery is, but let's say it's $100 million, and you've got a job that has maybe been trying and maybe some of the people have been trying to you. But let's say you won $100 million. You know the first thing you're going to do is give some to me. Nobody appreciate, it. Meaning to the kingdom. I'm kidding about giving it to me. Unless you want to. And um, But anyway, uh, just I was going to say kidding, but no. Anyway, so now you're in, I don't know what you get. Let's say 50%. You get $50 million. You know what's going to happen next for a lot of people. Shopping. But before you go shopping, you're going to do something else. Quit your job. Some people are going to stay because they like their job. Right. Sure you are sure you are. Uh, I mean, unless you're one of those door greeters at Walmart, you just like people, and so you're like, I just want to be a greeter. I get that. But there are, because there are people like that. They they go to work at a restaurant just so they can talk to people. You know, they can interact. Okay, but you can buy people for $50 million. Just (laughs) come by my house, we'll talk. And, uh, but in all reality, uh, how are you going to say goodbye? Like, whatever, you know, are you going to be kind and patient? Or are you going to let them have it? You know what I mean? In other words, if you're thinking, I'm going to let them have it, you know, they've been this way to me and this way to me, then that tells me I'm being constrained Only by them, not by a higher standard. I'm not being constrained by God and his morality and and by the love that he put into my spirit. My mind is thinking wrong, and I'm going to let these people have it because now I'm not under their control anymore because I got $50 million. And don't go in there and go blah, 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 and then all of a sudden you're like, whoops, I was wrong by a number. Or they come back and they're like, oh, sorry, we, drew, we set, printed the wrong one. It was a seven instead of an eight. And then you're like, you won a hundred bucks instead of a hundred million. Now you get $50. Well, at least you can spend that on upgrading your resume. You know what I mean? But what I'm saying is sometimes people uh, have different things governing their life even their relationship with God. Uh, It's a tough time. Go seek the Lord. Now it's a good time. I'm really just enjoying this. It's really good. Do I still seek God? And and we could see that would be a good test if you imagine, hey, I win all this money. Uh, How am I going to treat the people that are over me? My landlord... If I'm renting and maybe it hasn't been all favorable and I'm moving on up like the Jeffersons, some people don't know what that is, and uh, you're gonna move up to a deluxe apartment and, uh, you know, meaning one of those million dollar penthouses in New York, and you're gonna move up into this position, but before you leave, how are you gonna treat your landlord or who you're renting from? If you realize, wait a minute, I may have some different thinking in this area, it would be good to root that out. Because you don't want that to move forward with you. Are you with me? In due season. Told you that wasn't in my notes, but it's helpful. Why? Because as we transition, even if you do transition into a new place, a new position, and as you do... You may not, it may be too late to start rooting that out. I mean, to get it completely out. It just might be. say, what do you mean? You could be too close to entering into something. Somebody calls you into the office, opportunity comes, you knew it, and you're there. At least this will safeguard you to start developing and be careful, you know, to start getting it out as you presently start moving in. You with me? How many are there in Mark 4? 28. In due season. Due season is this. Or at the right time. There, are These types of scriptures in the Bible, it's kind of like the process has already worked. There have been unseen things that maybe you have not seen. You've been doing what you need to do. But things have been working behind the scenes that others maybe didn't know about, maybe you didn't know about, maybe you did have a sense change is coming. But there comes the day where the unseen becomes seen. And that's really what we're talking about today. How do we do that? So notice this in the 28th verse. For the earth yields crops by itself, first the blade, then the head. After that, the full grain in the head. And when the grain ripens, immediately you put in the sickle because the harvest is ripe. This is a real picture of due season. You, you know, you planted, you did certain things, you watered it, it began to grow. Uh, we don't always know when due season is. I know when we were in El Salvador a few weeks back, we were driving through these cane fields, and some fields were corn fields. And some of the people asked, is it season yet? And you could look and go, no, but it's growing. No, but it's growing. And then we went a little further, and somebody said, no, it looks like it. I said, I wonder if they stagger their planting so harvest all isn't all at one time, because these have bigger ears, Not like people. Wow, these people have bigger ears over here. No, bigger ears of corn. You could tell they had developed. We're like, whoa, what big ears you have. And, um, sorry. And, um, hey, if nobody else laughs, self-entertained, it's a great, great, isn't that great for a kid when they can entertain themselves? I was like that (laughs) as an adult. Anyway, But what big ears you have. You know, we looked and went, wow, the ears are bigger here. We knew they were closer to harvest. And then there's like, I don't know if they're tussles or tufts or whatever that hang out the top, the little, their little hair, their haircut. Some of them didn't look really kind of dead. And once they get closer, they really start looking kind of dried up. I don't know if those are the exact terms. But you can start measuring, they're getting close to harvest here. Well, really what you do then is kind of peel back some stuff, at least in my experience, because I looked, and you peel it back to see, is this corn about ready? That's what he talks about in due season. Don't give up. And like I said, we could be well past the don't give up and be at the due season where you're just, it's just like, man, the corn is right there. It's just a matter of a day or two or a week or two. And then all of a sudden, you've come from where you are into this new thing. And and here we are, you start harvesting. So he said, then you put in the sickle. Turn over here to Galatians. The fifth, or actually the fourth chapter. And we're going to look at another one and then kind of change up. And look at a couple other areas due season in other words we're there the the it's inevitable that change is coming it's upon us it like I said in so many different areas it can be like there how many of you have ever sensed a change in your life before you know in in your experience with God I will say this there are times when you'll uh have change come. And you may not know it, but as you continue to walk with God, you will start sensing there is a change coming. There is something. Some people will look back after a change came and realize, I I kept thinking about it before it happened, and I didn't even realize that that was God, but I kept thinking something's coming. Something is happening. And, and I will say this as you are turning to Galatians and I am finishing. You're probably already there. That when God deals with you about stuff coming, it's not always bad. As a matter of fact, it often can be about good. Galatians, the fourth chapter, and the fourth verse. But when the fullness of time had come... When the fullness of time had come, it said God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Notice this, when the fullness of time came, there was a fullness of time. It finally came to pass. And when it came to pass, we see what happened. A tremendous blessing happened to humanity. In the fullness of time, all of a sudden there was something that happened actually that ransomed humanity. And so we need to realize when a fullness of time comes to us, for some of us we might think, well, man, that took forever. Anybody ever been there before? But once you're there, oh, how sweet it is to begin to walk in it. And I'm going to look at something that really seemed um, good in this area about entering in and being at the door. And uh, sometimes being at the door where you're entering in may have a lot to do with somebody else and not altogether you. And, And... and if God's been dealing with you about stuff like, hey, there is this coming, this is happening, and it just seems so inevitable, and it seems right there, realize this, there can be other moving parts than you. And I'm going to explain this in a minute. And realize this though, God wouldn't deal with you about it if those other working parts were not where they need to be or about to cross a threshold and produce this in your life. A real simple thing could be, you could have gone to work for some guy named Jeff Bezos years ago, I think that's how you pronounce his name, and you could have been in at the introduction and God dealt with you to go to work there, and you were there at this fledgling company, and God dealt with you, just do it, it will be good. And you're like, I don't know about this guy. I don't know about what he's doing. This seems like kind of a lame idea. We're going to deliver products to somebody's door. So I don't have to go to the store. Who's going to want to do that? He's the owner of Amazon. But if you were there and God dealt with you to get in early on and stay faithful, how many of you realize his decision affected some of your decision making? In other words, you being faithful, God dealt with you, he saw what was coming, uh, and all of a sudden, uh, because he was willing to make some sacrifices, do certain things, it actually blessed you. Do you know that is a true thing in the Bible? Often, it can be true, and we see it in various ways. You know, um, Joyce Meyer is a well-known lady, preacher, she went through a bunch of junk in her life, was abused, mental issues, and whatever, you know, just, just a harsh time, and, and, but she was growing and growing and growing, but once she walked in victory, all of a sudden it became a blessing to how many other people, and then how many people in her ministry got blessed who were just helping her along the way. What I'm saying is sometimes blessings we know are coming can be interconnected to other people. But if God is dealing with you, don't be closed out to anything. And, and realize there can be peripheral things. And you could be praying, Lord, if there's, you know, some connections, whatever it is, or other people, help them be, be praying for others, because they can be interconnected to you in ways you don't know. But turn here to 1 Samuel, and we're going to see this is a, a real picture of this idea, how that our blessing can be connected to somebody else, and somebody else walking in something. And God could be dealing with you that, man, there's blessing on the horizon, it, it's, it's inevitable, and it can actually be connected to somebody else. And in the, in the Bible, you can see this again and again, but we're going to look at one that, that is very familiar. 1 Samuel 17, verse 48, and we know this guy, uh, David, King David, Solomon's dad, uh, before he was ever king before he ever walked in anything but notice this right here in we'll begin reading in the 48th verse so it was when the philistines rose and came and drew near to meet david that david hurried and ran toward the army to meet the philistine Realize this, some of our blessing can be very connected to somebody else killing a giant. Very much so. Oral Roberts, you might say, who's Oral Roberts? Oh, I know that university that every now and then makes the 64 tournament in basketball. No, Oral Roberts was known as a faith healer. He, he got ridiculed he he had you know he was persecuted but and he was persecuted by the church too because he was the, one of the first people to say god is a good god and ministers would say why do you say that and he took heat for it i remember getting to go to his house when he was uh, quite old his wife had already passed and he would meet with some ministers and i knew the minister who kind of was over setting up these appointments, and he talked about how he was persecuted for saying God is a good God. How many of us now think, why would you get persecuted? Because most people didn't think that. But what happened was he had tuberculosis as a kid and was healed supernaturally. And then later on in his life, before he entered in to the type of ministry he walked in, he saw some incredible things. One time, two guys were working on an engine, and the engine fell off the cherry picker, this crane thing, hit the guy's shoe. The edge of the engine went right through his shoe, and blood just started pouring out. And the one guy said, why don't you just call your pastor and have him pray for you? This pastor had had a personal experience, nothing public. He comes over there. He's not even sure anything's going to happen. He prays for him. There's a hole in his shoe, and his foot's perfect. And blood is pouring out. Pulls his, because he, he lived, I guess, like right a couple doors down. Well, he goes through some of these areas, and here's something. You can go to YouTube and watch some of the videos and see people who are cross-eyed, their eyes go back, people stuttering. All different kinds of things are on these videos. But, But what I'm getting at is this. He killed a giant, and then all of a sudden he was able to start blessing humanity. Sometimes the blessing that we experience is connected to somebody else killing a giant. And if God's dealing with you, hey, and the person you're connected to, or the people you're connected to, uh, are ones God's dealing with you, you're about to walk into something. There's a blessing for you. Realize this. He knows they're 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 killing their giant right now. That doesn't always make sense to people, but I know in the Bible school I went to, uh, the guy was a. Paralyzed from the waist down. Had an incurable blood disease. Then all of a sudden he found truth in the Bible about divine healing and he was raised up. How many other people, including you, have been blessed by him killing that giant? Now you understand when I say he killed that giant, the Lord paid for it 2,000 years ago. He walked it out. And so what I'm saying is, in life, often our blessing is connected, not always, but to somebody else. Notice this. So David is going at Goliath. Verse 49, then David put his hand into his bag and took a stone and he slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead. So that the stone sank into his forehead and he fell to his face on the earth. I mean, down this guy goes. Now you understand the whole of Israel were in turmoil until this time. This guy, Goliath, has been mastering other armies. The best of Israel was afraid to attack this guy this little kid who had a relationship with god red hair freckle face guy says i can do it god help me defeat a lion and help me defeat a bear this is what's going to happen to him to this day he is facing a giant others are trembling at this very giant and he has to face this if others are going to be blessed You know, in your life, God will have you face things and it will cause blessing for others. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he's putting you into something, but you may face something that you need to confront, and when you do confront that, it will be a blessing to others. And that is exactly how this blessing happened for all the people of Israel. Verse 50, so David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran, stood over the Philistine, took his sword, drew it out of his sheath and killed him. So he was not quite dead yet, but he had a splitting headache. At least. And he cut off the head, or cut off his head with it, and when the Philistines saw that the champion was dead, they fled. Boy, there was, this was like due season for the people of Israel. There had been harassment and harassment, and now all of a sudden there's a huge Turn. Now the people who had all the things that had been dogging them because of this one guy, it was going to change for everybody. And it said this right here in verse 51, Therefore David ran, stood over him. Verse 52, as they're fleeing, it says, Now the men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted. Now if you read before, their knees were knocking. They're thinking, we're done for this whole covenant thing with God is, uh, we're, we're in trouble. But they shouted and pursued the Philistines as far as the entrance to the valley and to the gates of Ekron. And it goes on, and, and the wounded of the Philistines fell among the road. And, and, and he starts going on about this. But the idea about this story is this. Victory came to others. Blessing came to others by one person entering in. And so often it is that God may be telling you about a blessing that's coming in your life and he knows that it's connected to something else. Are you with me? The owner of your company is going to get a massive contract. And all of a sudden it's going to make it so they have to hire more people. And therefore, because they're going to hire more people, they're going to have to force you up. But they're not forcing you up. God already warned you. He's already been working and developing you. Or somebody above you uh, is about to get fired. Amen. I mean, wait a minute. But you know what I mean. There are those things where they're interconnected to other things but how many of you know if god is dealing with us he knows all the factors are in place and if he said there's an influx and if he said there is promotion or if he said there is increase happening how many of you know even if there is a giant somebody has to slay god knows they've already got the rock they're already running at their giant they've already let go of the rock and it's just traveling. It's just a matter of time. Maybe the rock has already hit. And all we're waiting for is that final sword, Hayah, right at the door. How many of you know God knows things that we don't see? But how many of you know he lets us see inwardly often before we see outwardly?